0: What we're going to do today is we're going to start a brand new series, and if it's your first time here, you're, at a, you're in at a really good place because you can join us for the entire series and be in today at the ground level. You don't have to go back and listen to all the other stuff to kind of catch up to where we're at. And so what we're going to do, we're going to start it today, and, and I want to say the reason we're picking, we've picked this topic is because as your pastor and as a fellow human being, hello, I realize that it's really easy to quit, isn't it? It's real easy to quit. Whenever the the going gets tough, we quit. When we're we're seeing little to no progress, we have a tendency to want to quit. When things aren't happening fast enough, we quit. Or if there's something in our life that we're trying to quit but we can't, we quit. Right? Right? How many of you guys have ever had a job that was just so rough that you walked into your boss and you said, I quit? Show of hands. How many of you guys have ever done that? I had one of those jobs. I was a roofer. I remember that day. (laughs) Because that's all it was. It was one day. I was up on this roof. And they lay out this. I learned first service because I didn't know the words. I didn't know what to call it. I think it's called tar paper. Is that right? Oh, all right. So the roofers in the room are answering. So when I go to use words that real men use, sometimes I don't use them very well. So anyway, so they, they roll out this tar paper sideways on the roof. And then they put the shingles down and they nail them down. Well, I didn't realize that the tar paper would be slippery. And so I'm just walking across the roof. My brother was there. He was there the day it happened. I'm walking across the roof and I step on that tar paper. It went, and I just slipped down right to the edge of the house to what I assumed was going to be my death. Now, obviously, I didn't die or maybe I did. And this is really creepy. No, I, I, I did, so I, I, didn't, I didn't do that. I said I quit. I'm all done. I'm not getting back up on a roof. And I haven't been up on a roof since then. I, I just did not like that feeling. Because you all know the bigger you are, the harder you. Yeah, and that, was, I wouldn't, that's not, that wouldn't happen to me. But there are things in life that we should quit while there are other things in life that we need to keep at it. And so this series today is, is designed to encourage you in your life and to outline a few things that we need to quit. All right? Because there are some things we need to quit. So here's where we're going. Let me kind of give you a roadmap for the entire series. Next week, we're going to talk about I Quit Complaining. How many of you all know somebody that is a complainer? You just, they're just constantly complaining. Now, if, you've got your, if you don't have your hand up right now, it is possible that it's you. Because everybody knows somebody that's a complainer. It's just possible that that's the case. So we're going to talk about I quit complaining, and then the next week we're going to talk about I quit living in fear, because you all know that when you live in fear, it's polarizing. In other words, it keeps you right in the same place. It freezes you. You live in fear, and you choose not to do things that God's leading you to do, to step out. We've got to stop living in fear. And then the last week, Kyle Smith is going to be up here and talk about I quit comparing. Because when you play the comparison game in life, you lose. That's just what happens. You absolutely lose. And today, here's what I want to do I want to focus on the idea of I quit making excuses. I I quit making excuses. Now, in January of this year, the reason we're doing this series right now and the reason this message is right now timed is because in January we did a series called Small Things, Big Difference. And if you were here for this series, you remember that I asked you all to pray about one word. One word, we're going to make a small change in our life that will lead to a big difference. And I ask you, how would God have you change? And so you all came up with one word. And then I said, all right, I want you to come up with a thought that's associated with that word. And then I want you to come up with a sentence that's associated with that word so that you can use this one word, this one thought, this one sentence to be your North Star for the year, to kind of guide you for the rest of the year so that you could see change accomplished in your life by keeping it as simple as one thought one word, one sentence. And so many of you did that, and you sent me your words. Some of you said, well, my word is surrender. Others of you said my word is connect, and your whole goal is to connect with people better this year. Others of you said my word is discipline. I want to be more disciplined in my daily routine. I want to be more disciplined in my relationships, and so you've applied that across your lives. Others of you said my word is lead, or others of you said my word is listen, because I need to listen better this year, or maybe my word is gratitude. I need to develop an attitude of gratitude, and God is leading me to do that this year. Whatever Whatever it is, you decided that God put this on your heart. Now, if you weren't here during that series, maybe you made a New Year's resolution. And you make a New Year's resolution to be different, to do something. Maybe it's to lose weight or to spend more time with your family. Or maybe it's to quit smoking or to read your Bible or to get out of debt or to break a, a, a pattern of behavior in your life. Whatever it is, again, you made a choice. To be different. You say, I'm going to make a plan and I'm going to stick to it. Now, they say statistically, and this is staggering, statistically, when people make a a decision to change, whether it's a New Year's resolution or not, that 20, or excuse me, 40% of you quit within the first two weeks. You just quit. You just stop. And then as we go on another two weeks, 80% of you will quit. That's a, a, that, that is staggering to me, that many of us would make a decision to be different, to be changed, or to change something about our lives, and we quit. We just quit. Let me ask just a question. You don't have to say what it is, but how many of you either made a New Year's resolution or you were here during that season or that series, and you decided one thing you were going to change about your life, and you've already quit? Just be honest. It's all right. You already quit. See, I'm, I'm right there with you. My word for the year was health, which included a lot of things. It included dealing with some things physical. I had some physical issues that I needed to get handled medically, and I'd been putting them off, and so I've already worked on those. But the other part of that was to work on my, um, well, my physique. I'm not going to turn to the side right now. I'm just going to stay facing you straight on. (laughs) Because I decided I needed to get this under control, and it was part of it. I said, Lord, I'm going to need your help with that. And I, I, I worked, I was going to the gym faithfully three days a week, I, I joined a walking group, so I'm walking on Tuesdays now, I'm watching what I eat and I don't mean watching it go from my plate to my mouth, you all know what I'm talking about. That's not what I was, I'm saying I was making good choices and, and I was eating salads. Because like, you all know, if you know me already, if you don't, welcome to it. But I like my salads really funny. Like, I like a salad, but I like it covered with cheese. And I like it covered with pepperonis on top. And the croutons are not so much croutons. They're more dough that's on the bottom. And there's really not much salad to it. It's actually, if you look at it, it's probably a pizza is what it is. That's what I like. And so to, to make all these sacrifices, I was getting on the scale and I was seeing weight gain which is not what I want, this just happened this year. And I was, I was discouraged, I felt defeated, and I started making excuses as to why I couldn't do this anymore, and I quit. And I think, I think you all understand that, right? You've all been there, you've all tried to change something about your life, you feel defeated, you start making excuses for yourself, those excuses excuse you from the process or from the change, the thing you are attempting to do, and you quit. And here's what you need to know, That as soon as you, if you're taking notes, as soon as you decide to be different, the devil gives us excuses to stay the same. As soon as you decide to be different, especially if it's something God's put his finger on in your life, as soon as you decide to be different, the devil gives you excuses. To stay the same. And so when we realize an area that, that needs to be changed or God wants to deal with it and He reveals it to us, we all of a sudden start getting excuses. And we're not alone in this. This is just human nature. Jesus even tells a parable about it. In Luke 14, He says this A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. So He's got a big party and He's got a bunch of people coming. At the time of the banquet, He sent His servant to tell those who had been invited. Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Basically, what this guy did, he said, I'm throwing a party. He created a Facebook event. He invited a bunch of people. They all clicked that they were going. And then when it was time for the party to start, wasn't nobody showing up. Everybody had excuses as to why they couldn't go. And all of us develop excuses, Sometimes our excuses, when we look at them, though, they're really kind of silly. Just like in this parable or this story Jesus was telling. He's like, hey, your, your excuses are kind of nothing. They're, they're really overcomable. We can, we can get past these. Because here's what they say. The first person said, why he couldn't come to the party, he said, hey, I bought a field and I need to go see it. Now, excuse me, I'm no, like, real estate guru kind of guy, but don't you go see the property before you go paying money for it? Isn't that kind of backwards? And then the second guy says, well, I've just bought five oxen, and I need to try them out. I don't even know what that looks like. Don't they just stand around and moo in a pen? Couldn't you leave them for a little bit and go to a party? Seems like a silly excuse. And then the last couple, their response was, hey, we just got married, and uh, we're not going to be doing your thing because we'll be doing our own thing, if you know what I'm saying here. We're not coming to your party. We're on our honeymoon. And I totally get that. That seems to be a legitimate excuse. That seems to be a legitimate reason why... They wouldn't come to the party. But, but these guys had just some silly excuses. They were legitimate or made-up obstacles. And you and I are the same. We say, well, you know, I've tried in the years past, so I can't do it now. I couldn't do it then. I can't do it now. Or this one's my favorite. I hear this one often. I'm just in a stressful season right now. It's the season God has me in that I can't change. I don't have time for that. Or you say that, that well, you know, there's, I've got my whole life ahead of me. My whole life is ahead of me. I'll just deal with this next year. 2018 will be my year. I'm going to go ahead and chill out and do this now. Well, maybe you're on the opposite side of that. And you've you got some baggage you're dealing with. And when you come to, to things that need to change in your life, you say, I'm not good enough. Maybe because somebody's told you that. Or well, I'm just not able to. Whatever whatever it is, we have excuses, and that's why we need to understand these excuses are the major contributors to the reasons why we quit working on areas of our lives, and that's why this series is so important, because as your pastor, I want to help you quit, but I want to help you quit the right things. Amen? All right, so here's what I think our problem is. I think our problem is, is we think that we're we're doing it right. But what, what happens is we set out to accomplish something based on our own motivations, our own good intentions, right? But our, our good intentions are based in selfish desires. They are founded in, in what we want for ourselves. And when we begin to initiate change in our lives just based on the fact that I want this for me, what well, we have a tendency to lose motivation, we have a tendency to start making excuses and, and to quit. Because to accomplish our intentions relies on our strength. It relies on our willpower and our motivation, which all gives out in time. What we need to do is focus on God's intentions for our lives. In other words, his best, his plan. What does he want for us? And when we focus what we're doing, that change on what God desires for our lives, well then, as we get on board with that and begin to make that change, now we get to tap into a supernatural power that is available for us because when we tap into what God wants for our lives, he gives us the strength, he gives us the power, he gives us the motivation to see that change affected in our lives. He gives us that ability. So we have to focus on his intentions for us. So, now, let me just do this for those of you that are here that did not make a New Year's resolution and you were not here during the Small Things Big Difference series. Let me kind of help you catch up really quick, okay? Because in order to understand you get this and in order to play along with us, you need to ask yourself a couple quick questions, all right? So if you didn't make a New Year's resolution or you didn't, weren't here in that series, here's what I want you to do. This will help you stop making excuses for the year if you understand what it is you need to change. And then I'll give some points that, that will help all of us, all right? So what is God want to be different about your life? What is it that God wants to be different about your life? This is the first question you need to answer. Now, I'm not asking you, what does your mom tell you needs to be different about your life? What does your wife tell you, you need to be, needs to be different about your life? I'm asking, what does God say needs to be different about your life? What is he putting his finger on? What if... You were to turn off the television, stop looking at your news feed on Facebook, stop looking at all your emails, stop responding to text messages, and you just kind of sat quiet for a minute and said, God, what is an area of my life that you would like to see change? What would his response be? What would would he say in your heart? What would you hear? And whatever that is, I want you to write it down. Maybe some of you know what it is already. I want you to grab that connection card on the big section on the back that's just for you. Write it down. Now, if it's something you don't want somebody seeing, because well, let's, let's admit we've all been doing this since grade school. We look at everybody else's paper. And so if you're worried that somebody's going to look over at your paper and kind of judge you for what you're writing down, just write the word private. You'll know what it is. But I want you to play along and, and write. Now, what is it you think God would have you change in your life? What is he speaking to your heart? All right? And once you've written it down... You got to ask yourself the question, the second question, why, why does God want this part of your life to be different? Why does God want this part of your life to be different? Because the, the power to overcome excuses is found in understanding the why behind the what. So what is it he wants to change? And then you need to understand the why behind it. It gives you all the help in the world. If you want to make 2017 the best year of your life, then you need to tap into God's power in order to get some of these things under control in your life. Because if you do it in your own power, you'll ultimately come to a place where you'll end up making excuses for yourself, and you'll quit. But if you tap into God's power then he'll give you the strength for the journey. His power is bigger than anything you can ever imagine. His power is bigger than anything you can even understand. Like, for example, most of us have something physical in our lives that we want to change, right? We have something physical about ourselves that we would like to see different, okay? And uh, and, and maybe it's, I want to get healthy, and I'm going to need to change my diet, and I'm going to need to go to the gym. Right? So I, I need to change that. Or maybe it's, it's God is speaking to your heart and he says, all right, maybe, maybe you need to quit smoking. Right? And, and, and so you're going to have to quit smoking. It, it, maybe whatever God's putting his hand on is something that would improve your life. Now I get this question a lot, so I'm going to go ahead and answer it. Do I think smoking is something that's going to send you to hell? Absolutely not. It may make you smell like you've been to hell. <laughs> and, and you may get to heaven faster than the rest of us. But I don't think it's something that's going to send you to hell. In fact, I think when God puts his finger on something in your life, it's not usually about a heaven or hell issue. It's just something about, hey, this would make your life better. This would improve your life. This may keep you on this earth longer so that you can make a greater impact in other people's lives. But I don't think that, that all these things are necessarily heaven or hell issues, right? And God will do that to you. He'll put his finger on things in your life. And and especially the physical area. But if your physical motivations are just because your fat genes are about to tap out, they're like, I quit. Or because you just want to look sexy so you think you're going to go work out. Look, I'll be honest with you. Those kind of motivations are not sustainable. They're, They're just not sustainable. We need to find the spiritual motivation. Why does God ask us to care for our bodies? I'll give you a very simple answer. The Bible says that That because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know some of you are like, Pastor, I'm well aware of that. That's why I built him a big temple. I wanted him to have a roomy, spacious place to live. (laughs) I hear you. I'm there with you. Oh, sorry, I'm not turning to the side. I'm there with you. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) But we're carriers of God's presence. We are like actual representatives of Christ and God. You understand that. So if we steward our bodies well, what, what kind of message are we sending to other people? Like, man, I realize this scenario, i got to repent. i gotta, I got to turn away from the way I was doing it. i got to follow God's way of doing it, which is a sustainable motivation for me. And when we honor God that way, he helps us. He, he helps us. But God has a plan and purpose for our lives. He wants us to be around. And this kind of motivation is just is beyond A dress size or a pant size for us. It's beyond body image. And we need to understand the why behind the what. Maybe maybe for you, what God's putting his hand on is your spiritual life. And he's like, hey, there's some things that you need to change, you know. Maybe he's called you to lead a grow group. And you're like, all right, I'm going to lead a grow group because you think it's a position of honor. You think that people will think that you are some spiritual guru if you do. And you think people are going to look up to you as a result of it. Look, if you're going to lead the group lead a grow group because of those reasons, I promise you within the fourth or fifth week, that group will crush you. Because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You'll be calling me like, Aaron, I'm done. I can't handle this. I'm, I'm out. Why? Because your motivations are wrong. It's not sustainable. Even if you lasted through this season, you won't sign up for a second season. But if you're going to say yes because God is leading you to be a a leader of a grow group and you say I'm going to do it because he's leading me to and as a Christ follower because I know he loves me and my only reasonable response to his love is to love him back and obey him and trust him even though I don't know how to lead, even though I don't have all the answers for the people that will come to my group, I'm just going to trust that this is the thing to do and I get to make an eternal impact in people's lives, well, I'll do that, God. God. If that's your reason for leading, if God's leading you to do that, and that's the reason why, well, that's a sustainable reason. When it gets difficult, you won't quit. You'll stay in the fight. Sustaining motivation only comes from God. Maybe, maybe the thing God's put on, on your life this year or, or touched on your life this year is to get out of debt. And many of you are like, well, debt's bad, and I'd like to get out of debt because I want to have a jet ski. I think that's fine. Jet skis are awesome. If you have one, I want to ride it. I'm just saying. But that's not a sustaining motivation to get out of debt and stay out of debt. But if you're going to make a plan to get out of debt because you know that God has called us to be generous on all occasions, you're like, well, because this debt. Because honestly, let me, let me just say this. I believe that every Christian has a generous heart. How could we not, when God has given so generously to us? In fact, the basis of our faith, the sign that everybody holds up is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that He, he gave. Yeah, he gave. God was generous. And in response to His love for us, we turn out we, we're generous back. I think all Christians are generous. But I think most Christians are limited in their generosity because we've been deceived by an enemy who knows that if he can tie our hands with debt then we can make a limited impact in this world. That's the truth. But if we go, all right, I know the impact that I can make as somebody that is generous, that if I commit to to honoring God and tithing to a local church who is reaching people that are far from God, there'll be more people that are pulled out of the depths of hell and they're gonna be at the banquet table in heaven, like there's gonna be a bigger party. If I give, if we all do it together and we contribute together to make a difference in this world, I'm going to get my finances in order. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to work towards that. That's a sustainable thing that I know God will honor. I've seen it in my life. So we have to embrace God's principles, especially when we desire to be generous on every occasion. Understanding the why makes the what or it helps it makes all the difference in the world. Understanding the why behind the what. We have to get over our excuses. Some of you are sitting here right now and you're making excuses as to why you're not going to apply this message to your life. You've already tapped out. You may have made up excuses or even legitimate ones. We've got to get over those because we need the power of God in our lives and we have to understand the spiritual motivation in our lives so we can conquer these areas that we've been struggling with for years. That's just it, period. Let me tell you a quick story about what God intends to do for you and this is how I'm going to help you today. This is the story of Moses. Moses was born in a time in Egypt when the Jewish people were slaves there. And the Pharaoh said, the the Jewish people, there's too many of them. They're they're growing like wildfire out there. we got to stop this. And so he orders all baby boys under the age of two to be killed. And he says to the midwives, the Jewish midwives, if the baby that comes out is male, kill it. Well, Moses' mother has a boy. So she hides him. When she can no longer hide him and she's weaned him, she decides that she's got to get rid of him and not kill him. So she puts him in a basket, sends him down the Nile River. Well, the Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And she says, This poor kid, she recognizes he's a Jewish kid, takes him into her home, and raises him as her own. And so Moses grows up as a prince of Egypt. And as a man, Moses realizes that his people are enslaved. He realizes that he himself is Jewish. And one day he sees a Pharaoh, or excuse me, an Egyptian taskmaster laying into one of his slaves. And Moses becomes indignant and he kills the man. Realizing he's now a murderer and that he will probably be himself murdered, he runs. He runs to the wilderness and becomes a shepherd. For 40 years, he's out in the wilderness. And God shows up and says, hey, Moses, I've heard my people's cry, and I'm going to deliver them, and I'm going to use you. And Moses is overwhelmed, and he comes up with excuses. He starts making excuses why he can't do what God is asking him to do. And let me tell you something, most of the time when God puts his hand on something in your life and says, hey, this is is what needs to change. Most of the time when he does that, it's going to overwhelm you. It's going to be beyond you. In fact, I would tell you that if your goal for this year is obtainable, something that you can do on your own, it's probably not God leading you to do it. Because when God leads you to do something, he does so in a way that he's going to step in and reveal his power. That way he gets the glory. This is God. And he challenges Moses to do this. And Moses comes up with excuses. This is what he says in Exodus 4. He says, Moses said to the Lord, Oh Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. What is Moses doing? He's offering excuses. And all of his excuses pointed to himself. He uses the I and me. This is, it's all about him. I can't do it. It's not within me to do what you're asking me to do. Don't you know that I, I'm slow as speech? Maybe Moses had a stutter. We don't, we don't really know what the situation was. But he's making excuses for why he can't do what God has asked him to do. And God kind of has a sense, God has a sense of humor. Now, if you don't know where, where it is, you need to understand that Jewish humor is often sarcasm. So look at God's response. He says, the Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? In other words, is there anything too impossible for me? He's saying to Moses, didn't I give you your mouth? And if I needed to talk good, couldn't I make it talk good for you? (laughs) <laughs> as I don't talk good myself. If you needed that, if I asked you to do something crazy, couldn't I do that? I mean, we're talking about the God of creation here, right? The God who spoke this universe into existence. That's, that's who we're talking. About. He, didn't, he didn't lift his finger. He spoke it into existence. How amazing would that be? Chipotle. Bam, it's there. I'm saying. <laughs> Come on. This is who he who he is. Think about it though. Whatever you're wrestling with, is it too impossible for God, really? Whatever he's asking you to do or leading you to do, is it too impossible for him? Because we sit here and we say, well, you don't understand Aaron, my kids are out of control and I just don't even know what to do with them. Or my marriage, it's just too bad. It's too broken. And God's never seen anything like this, so he can't fix it. Or we say, well, you know, this is all beyond his power. Well, I've got a pattern of behavior that's in my life, was in my father's life, and was in his father's life before him. This is just our family curse, and well, I've just, you know... God didn't change it then, didn't change it with my dad. He's not going to change it with me, and my kids are going to deal with it too, so I'm just ready for it. This pattern of behavior has just been there. Maybe you you get this idea that you're going to be isolated and alone forever. God's never, never, never helped somebody who was alone find companionship and have people in their lives that loved them. We, we think there's things that are just too impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. The Bible describes him as being able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask. So anything you can think to ask from God. He's exceedingly, abundantly above it. He's able. And then it says, not only just ask, but think. That means whatever you could imagine. The most amazing scenario that you could have in your marriage. The most amazing scenario you could have with your kids. God is past it. He is able to do past it. This is our God. Nothing's impossible with him. And when he is leading you to do something... He will empower you to do it. My buddy Bruce says it this way. If it's God's will, it's his bill. That if he's designed you to do it, if he's called you for it, then he'll make a way for you to do it. Whatever it is. So knowing this, what do we do? This is where I'm going to help all of us. There's two simple things that we can do today. The first thing you can do is if you're taking notes, is do what you can do. Do what you can do. I know that seems an oversimplification of it, but think about it. Just, just do what's in your power to do today. And when we look at this verse, again, it says, now go. This is God's response to him. He says, now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. So the first thing we can do is to go. To go When? Now, to go now. When God puts his finger on something in your life, it's not time to hem-haw about it. It's not time to talk to everybody in the world about it or post on Facebook and see if this is a good idea. The time is to do it. That's right. The time is now. He says now go because going, getting up from the desert and going to Egypt was something that Moses could actually do. Though he knew when he got there he was going to struggle, the going was something he could do. So he says, go. So you and I, we have to do what we can do. We have to stop analyzing it. Stop talking about it and just get started. When? Now. Now. Now is the time because you know that if we wait, you understand that delayed obedience is disobedience. If you want God to bless what it is that you're doing, especially when it's an area of change, you must go now. Now's the time to start doing the thing you know you need to do. And I'm going to encourage you with this. Stop over-spiritualizing, whatever it is. Some of you are like, so like if, if it's quitting smoking, for example. Some of you are like, well, I'm just waiting on God. If I, and I'm not telling you you need to, by the way. I'm saying if God touches your life and says, hey, I want you to quit smoking. Some of you are in response to that are like, well, I'm just waiting on God to take away the desire. Here's what you need to do. If if God's actually led you to do it, I'm not telling you to, understand. Throw it away. Throw the pack of cigarettes away and stop buying them because that's what you can do. That's what you can do right now. Some of you are like, well, I need to stop buying donuts. Well, quit going to the bakery. Quit walking down the snack aisle for crying out loud! Them little De- little debbies are getting lodged like right here in this area. There's a way you can stop that. Just quit buying them. Get them out of your house. I got a buddy that that I was walking with. He was like Aaron. He said, "I need to." He said, "I'm addicted to pornography. I need to deal with this in my life." He said, "I need to stop watching porn." I said, "Great." Let me. There's lots of things we can do. He said, "I know one thing I can do." Because I asked him. He said, "I can smash my laptop with a with a baseball bat," and I said, "Or." (laughs) We we went through a list of things that he could have done that would not be as violent as that, or as wasteful. But he said, "No, I need this out of my house," and so he took his laptop in his front yard. He smashed it with a baseball bat. He did what he could do to deal with that issue in his life. He closed the gateway we have to do what we can do. We have to remove the temptations. Take the simple steps. If you want to grow in Christ, or if you want to get, begin serving here in this church and God's leading you to do that, or maybe he's leading you to get more connected here, then stop making excuses and just do it. In fact, we have something to help you do all of those things. It's called Growth Track. It's happening right now happens every sunday during second service it's four easy steps to understanding your spiritual journey getting connected with this church even volunteering and serving on our dream team here we facilitate all of that in the in in growth track and it's every sunday you can jump in whenever you want you don't have to sign up you don't have to make a commitment to be there you can take them in any order that you want to oh and because we do it during second service we'll watch your kids for you as well right all excuses gone Just do what God's asking you to do and do it now. You can do that. You can take those steps. If you want to grow spiritually, you want to grow deeper with God, then come to one of our prayer nights. That's something that's not beyond you. You can go. You say, well, I don't know how to pray. I've never done that. What if I don't know anybody? Take all those excuses because they're legitimate. I get them. Box them up real pretty. Put a bow on them and then sit them to the side and go anyway. Just, Just go next Sunday, go. You say, well, but I've got kids. We'll, we have child care. We'll take care of your kids for you. And I'll guide you through the time of prayer. All excuses gone. Somebody will talk to you, I promise. You'll know somebody by the end of prayer. And if you don't, you'll at least know God a little better, right? Just, just go. We've got to do what we can do, and God will honor that. For me, i, I just just bring it, bring it home so that you think I'm not preaching down at you. I'm with you here in this struggle. I'll probably listen to this message later on this week just to encourage myself. I do that. It's not the best preaching I've ever heard, but it is okay. That's all right. <laughs> but for me, I was struggling with this word, my health word this year, and, and seeing the weight come off. And I was frustrated, and I told God I was tired of struggling with it. I said, I'm so tired. I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. I'm trying. I'm making effort. And no weight is coming off. In fact, I've gained, and I don't like this, and I'm ready to be done. In fact, I did quit. I quit for about a week, and I just binged on anything and everything I could. I just threw off restraint and just enjoyed myself. I was picking food out of my hair for like a couple days, you know, the chest hair, because it was just all in there. It was just a lot. I'm kidding that's not even true but that's hilarious (laughs) so (laughs) but but during that time I told you guys in that series I said whatever that word is for the year I want you to write it down in a place you can see now I'm not encouraging you to do this but I I took my wife's lipstick and wrote it on the mirror don't do that you might get yourself in trouble but that word health was on my mirror along with the Bible verse And so, so as I'm going through this miserable and struggling, I'm washing my face and combing my beard, which I never thought I'd say in my life. I was combing my face. But I I look up and I see this word health and I see my verse. And I'm frustrated. And I said, God, I I need your help because I'm ready to be done. Here I've told everybody that I'm going to get in shape and I want to be different by the end of the year and I'd like to have a different look by the end of the year physically, I'd like to be stronger. And I'm not doing it. I'm ready to be done. I said, I'll never have this. And I I started listing my excuses. And God said, when's "When's the last time you were able to lose weight? Because I said, I'll never be able to do it. And I've never done it. And I've always struggled with this. Because I have. I've gone up and down with my weight. Well, a couple years ago, I worked with a nutritionist who offered me um, daily accountability and a weekly weigh-in. And I lost 70 pounds with that woman working with her. It was an incredible blessing. And then when I quit working with her, well, the weight that I lost, I found it. And, and I said, well, it was when I was working with her, Lord, and he said, you know, you could call her. Nah, I don't think so. Because to call her would admit defeat. To call her would be humiliating. To call her would say, hey, uh, I, I found almost all 70 pounds of that back. And I worked so hard for many months and I just threw it all away. Could you help me again? Because I'm really smart. God was asking me to humble myself. He said, do what you can do. do. Do what you can do. And I thought I could do that. Now is the time to act. But you say, Aaron, there's things beyond my control. That's right, there are. And when you come up against things that are beyond your control, like for me, weight loss is a hard thing. Getting, my, getting, getting healthy is a hard thing. When you come up against those things that are outside of your control, first you do what you can do. And then the second thing is you trust that God, trust God to do what you can't do. It's simple. Trust God to do what you can't do. Because we all have our part. And our excuses are ridiculous if we're honest about it. They're all We can overcome all of them. They're just excuses. That's all they are if we look at them that way. So we have to do what we can do and trust God to do what we can't. Look at the verse again. He says, now go. That's our part, right? Now go. When? Now. We go. We do what we can do. And then God says, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. I'll do that. See, God does not help, and God does not teach until we act in obedience. Is this thing on? Hello, hello. <laughs> he, he's just not going to. Until you take those steps to do what you can do, God's not going to help you and add his power to it, and he's not going to teach you along the way. You go, and I'll, I'll speak, I'll help you speak and teach you what to say. It's kind of like teaching somebody to ride a bike. Does anybody have kids and you taught them how to ride a bike? Dear Lord, isn't that very trying? I mean, I swore, that was just, like I was this close to swearing. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just the most frustrating, this close. I didn't. Okay, I just want you to know. She's down here saying preach. (laughs) Actually, on one of the kids, I did quit. She said, that was hard. I would have quit. I did quit on one of the kids. I said, I'm done, and my wife had to take over. But it's a try. It's an experience teaching a kid how to ride a bike because they're just afraid. They're afraid they're going to fall. They think the world is done. It is over if they fall like a foot to the ground. It's done. But I'm there. I'm promising. Look, I'm going to guide you. I'm going to hold you up, but I can't push you and hold you up at the same time. And if you fall, I'm going to pick you up. If you get a boo-boo, I'm going to kiss it and take care of it. And then I'll encourage you and be your biggest cheerleader. Come on, you can do it. But in order for you to ride a bike, you're going to have to pedal. You're going to have to take those little legs of yours that you want to keep flaying out like this because you think you're going to fall, put them on the pedals, and move. And God's saying the same thing to you and I. You just keep your feet on the pedals. You do what you can do, and I'm going to guide you. I'm going to make sure you don't go out into the street so that you don't die. But if you fall down, I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to teach you along the way, and I'm going to cheer for you as you do it. I'm going to add my blessing and my power to what you do if you just keep pedaling. Just keep pedaling. God's willing to do those, but you got to do what you can do. And the areas where we don't feel like we're going to be good enough, God steps in. And the apostle Paul encourages us with this. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and he says this. He was a great guy. If anybody was great outside of Jesus in the Bible, this guy would have been like the number two guy, right? He's he's just amazing, this Paul guy. And he said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he struggled too, and he was talking to God about one of his struggles and one of his weaknesses that he wanted removed out of his life, and God's like, nope, here's why. God says to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, when you are weak, God steps in and demonstrates his strength and his power. This is why we got to do what we can do, and then trust him to do what he can do trust him to do what we can. And then Paul continues on, and and this is a, so he says what God said to him, and then we see a celebration from Paul. Look, he's celebrating. He's reveling in this because he now understands the nature of God better, and he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. See, when you look at that sentence out of context, you think this guy's a crazy guy. When he's weak, he's strong. No, no. When I'm weak, God steps in and I'm caught just in the middle of what he's doing, watching what my papa's doing. What my father God is going to do in my life is what I can't do. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Then I'm it's a celebration. For me, I, I failed over and over earlier this year to lose weight. I made up excuses and I quit and God encouraged me to humble myself and do what I could do to call that nutritionist so I did I called her and I said hey I lost all that weight with you and and I found it nearly all of it eight pounds shy 62 pounds if you're doing the math I put it back on and I need your help You take me on as a client again? And she said, absolutely. I don't know if I expected her to shame me. I think I did. I had it built up in my mind. This was one of my excuses why I couldn't call her, that she was going to shame me, that she was going to say, absolutely, no way, I'll never work with you again, that she'd make fun of me. She didn't do any of those things. She was very graceful and said, yes, and I've been working with her for about five weeks now, and I'm here to tell you that I'm down 21 pounds since I started working with her. (laughs) Now, let me tell you something, that's, not that, that's because of the grace of God in my life, because me on my own, I couldn't do it. But when God puts his hand on something in your life and says, do what you can do, humbling myself is not something I want to do. Anybody out there really like that kind of stuff? Nobody likes humbling themselves. We don't like that. You humble yourself. That's what I could do at that moment, and God, God has been blessing me. We have no room for excuses when we serve a God like this. No room. And many of you, you want to see your relationships restored this year. Many of you, you want to see uh, something change in your job or, or in your career. Many of you want to get your finances in order. Others of you are dealing with addictions and you want to break that pattern in your life. Others of you have seen this behavioral thing in your life. You want to see change as well. Maybe some of you it's it's that that things need to you need to grow spiritually. I'm not sure what it is. Whatever God is dealing with you about this year, this can be your greatest year of your life, but you have got to quit making excuses. Now, if you've already decided that you're gonna do something and you've quit, I encourage you to get back up. If you're in the middle of it right now and you're thinking about quitting, I encourage you to keep going. Keep pedaling. And if you're starting with us today because you, this is your first time hearing this message, and then I'm, I'm here with you and I'm praying for you. I'm rooting for you. We need to quit making excuses. We need to do what we can do, and we need to do, trust God to do what we can't do. Even when it seems like you can't, you need to celebrate and remember that his grace is sufficient for you, and that when you are weak... He is strong. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the encouragement to quit with the excuses. I thank you for the encouragement that it is that we can keep going, Lord. I pray today that you would reveal to us what your desire for us is and how we are to be different and help us to understand the why behind the what and how. Help us see that your eternal purposes and the way that we're being challenged to change our lives. Help us to see the impact that we can make when we simply obey and follow your lead. Even in the hardest of the areas of our lives to change. I pray that you'll help us today. And as we take steps to do what we can do, we pray that you'll do only what you can do in our lives. Let us finish the rest of this year strong, rejoicing in our weaknesses and Resting in your strength. As we continue to pray today, I want to say that there's many of you here today that this power that I'm talking about, having access to, to see change affected in your life, you don't have access to that power. Why? Because you don't have a relationship with God. See, what you need to know is that you and I were created with a specific purpose of having a relationship with God. God wants you to know him. This is his greatest desire for you. It's not for you to quit smoking. It's not for you to change your clothes or to quit cussing or, you know, it's not for any of those things. God's greatest desire for you is for you to know him. And I don't mean he wants you to know about him. He wants you to know him like you know a friend intimately. That's what he wants for you. Unfortunately for me and you, we were born with something called a sin nature. It's a waywardness that is inside of us that draws us away to our own selfish desires and away from God's plans and his purposes for our lives. And when we do that, it separates us from God. He's holy and pure and just. And there's nothing, unfortunately, that you and I can do to make up for our sinfulness, our waywardness. There's nothing that you and I can do to earn forgiveness from God. There's nothing we can do to be made right with him. And God knew that, and so he sent his son Jesus. He sent his son Jesus to become a man and walk this earth. And Jesus did for 33 years. He lived a perfect and sinless life. And then he laid down his life as he allowed himself to be brutally murdered and crucified at Calvary three days later Jesus rose from the dead and when he did that he gave you and I the power to be made new to be forgiven to have this relationship between us and God restored he says all you need to do is accept the lordship of my son in your life in other words that Jesus becomes in charge that we do what he says that we learn to be like him He says, That's all I need you to do. I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking for progress as you become more like Jesus, as you follow Him. Today is your opportunity. Today is your day. This is your now moment. Because you cannot do anything to be made right with God, the thing that you can do to be made right with God is just to accept Jesus. You don't have to be perfect, God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He expects you to understand that He loves you just as you are right now. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to be restored to Him. And if you're here today and you want to be restored to God, we take that step of faith. The thing you can do today is, is called prayer, it's a conversation with God. And it's simple. Even if you don't know the words, you say, I don't know the words, and that's my excuse why I won't do it. Guess what? I'll give you the words. You can even repeat after me. All I need you to do is mean them in your heart. So if that's you and you're here today, I'm going to pray in just a second. I'm not going to embarrass you, and I'm not going to make you stand up or say anything. Nobody's looking around, and nobody will make fun of you either. In fact, we'll celebrate with you the decision that you can make right now. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, be Lord of my life, I'm going to pray a prayer. If you'd like to be counted in on that prayer, here's your invitation. Would you let me know that you're going to do that? Would you just simply slip your hand up? Do that now. Say, Aaron, that's me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Way to be bold. Good job. You can put your hands down now. Good job. Don't let this moment pass you by. I'm not going to try to scare you, but I am going to tell you the truth. The Bible says tomorrow is promised to no man. The truth is, is that Jesus paid the price for our sins. And as long as we accept him, then we are free from the penalty of those sins. If we don't accept Jesus, then the penalty or the price that we pay is eternity and separation from God. That means hell. None of us are promised. If you're on that edge, can I just say, you don't have to know everything about following Jesus today. You don't even have, you don't have to be perfect. You don't even have to have owned a Bible. But now is a divine moment for you. Say yes. Say yes. I'm going to give you another opportunity. If you've already raised your hand, you don't need to raise it again. But if there's anybody else that wants to say yes. Say yes to Jesus and no to the devil. Yes to heaven and no to hell. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say yes today? Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. I'm going to pray this prayer. Church, I'm going to ask all of you to pray with us. Nobody prays alone in this place. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you came to this earth. You died on the cross. And you rose from the dead. And you did all of that to show me how much you love me. Thank you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I give you my life. Now you give me yours. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.